Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. I was just chuckling there as Darren was fumbling around with his microphone, which that's usually me. So anyway, we're super happy you joined us here today. We're going to be talking a little about soybean inoculants. If you've got any questions for us or anything you'd like to talk about that's going on in your farm, you can call us here, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. Well, with soybean inoculants, this is a very important thing to be thinking about, especially going into 2019, and I'll tell you why. If you take a look at what was left for nitrogen in the soil coming off of last year, which in many areas was the wettest year ever, the numbers were lower than normal. Okay, so there's less nitrogen going into this year. Number two, because of all the moisture, all the flooding, what we're seeing is if you've got flooded soils, that means that there's no oxygen there. And that means that there's more chance that your microbial life is going to die. Or in other words, the rhizobia bacteria that is still in your soil from the last time you raised soybeans, there's a much greater likelihood of mortality. We've had two wet years in a row in many areas. I'm not saying everywhere, but I'm just saying if you take a look at the fact that we've had more moisture than normal, personally, Darren, I think that means the odds are better that soybean inoculant should pay in 2019. What do you think? Well, yes. And it's hard to outguess things and know exactly what's going on because I've seen some studies that have said, well, you know, a lot of this flooding, uh, it's not going to hurt microbes as bad as you might think. And I don't know. If if it's not something I'm measuring, like I, I can't go out and pull a test and just say, yep, I've got a million rhizobia bacteria per gram of soil or something like that, and now I only have 50. Well, if I saw that, then I they could tell you exactly, oh, yeah, for sure, we absolutely got to do something. We just don't know. We don't know exactly. And all we can do is use some common sense. If you've got water taking up the pore space in your soil, and pushing all the air out of the soil and filling that pore space up. Now your soil is 50% water and 50% dirt. There's no room there for the microbes. And I get it. They aren't going to completely die. There's there's uh, I, there's plenty of research around that. They're not going to completely die. But you're definitely going to lose some. And you might right. lose quite a bit. So it makes a lot of sense to me. If on a normal year when we don't have flooding, this stuff pays Well, it should pay even more in a flooded year. Now, the other thing is you're only replacing one species here with soybean inoculant. So you're replacing the rhizobia bacteria. You're not replacing all the other things out there like mycorrhizae, fungi, and all these things. I understand that too. So it's not like it's a miracle product, but hey, I know we're probably going to be short of this. I know that rhizobia helps my soybeans produce nitrogen, and that's a good thing, especially if I'm raising high yields. It, it's a no-brainer for me. For my acres, absolutely 100% I'm in. And I'm probably double inoculating where we've had flooding. Yeah. yeah Just like I, I would on yep. acres that I haven't yeah. planted beans before. Yeah, true. I could go along with that. And, you know, part of the thing here is we got to look at what's the cost. So on everything we're going to talk about on the farm, it's not just, okay, I should get some yield gain out of that. All right, that's fine. But what's the cost? If the cost is close to what the yield gain is going to be, then why would I want to do it? Why would I take all the risk, spend the money and do that? And there's a slight chance I'm going to, 
get enough money to pay things back. It sounds to me like everybody's a winner in that deal. Everybody I bought the product from, the manufacturer, all that. Everybody's a winner except for me. Okay, so I obviously don't want that. On the farm, I'm looking at soybean inoculants. Most of the time on our farm, we're gaining a quarter bushel to a half bushel. All right. We also have gained as much as five bushels per acre. I don't know when those things are going to come, but we actually have gained that in replicated trials. Well, and honestly, Brian, one of the factors in that is that we're putting inoculant on and then putting the seed in the ground. We're not putting inoculant on and then putting it in the shed for two weeks or a month. And I think that helps, too. Yes, it does help. I mean, you look at the survivability of rhizobia bacteria— the sooner you can go from package stored correctly, that's room temperature or cooler, and with most of them, some have to be frozen, but most of them room temperature or cooler and out of the sunlight, you, you do everything right with storing the product, then you put the product on the seed and you put it in the ground. That's how you have maximum survivability, the highest counts of rhizobia bacteria, and in my opinion, that sets you up with just using common sense for the best gains. Okay, so anyway, here's where I was going with this. I my point is simply, all right, even if I'm let's say I'm gaining a quarter bushel. That's 2 bucks an acre roughly. If I'm gaining a half bushel, that's 4. In, inoculant doesn't cost very much money. A lot of times we're spending a dollar. We might be spending 2. On average though, hey, if I've got in my low years, I'm gaining a quarter to a half, I'm still making that pay. And on my home run years, which happen every once in a while where I gain 5, I mean, just think about that. If I gain five, and if I only do that once every 10 years, and I gain nothing the other nine years, that's still an average of a half bushel per year. And since we have done replicated trials on our farm, and I know we've gained five bushels sometimes, I know that is fact. So if I figure that on the high side, and I figure on the low side, quarter to a half bushel, on average, I mean, we are probably getting real close to a bushel. So that's really good for a one to two dollar an acre investment, and that's the way that I look at this thing. And then you got to ask yourself, okay, when am I more likely to hit the home run? And to Darren's point, yes, I agree, a hundred percent ground that's flooded, also ground that you haven't planted soybeans in quite a while. And you might say, oh, I'm, I raise a lot of soybeans on my farm, but wait a second, am I doing that in every single acre? I think even on our own farm, we've had some fields where we go corn for five years in a row, and then we go back to beans. And sometimes I even forget about it. We just do normal inoculant. We really should be, Darren, on those fields, double inoculating. Yes, we should. Yes, we should. Here's the other thing that I like about this, brand because so often we'll talk to a farmer who'll say, okay, there's three things that you talked about, and this one gains two bushels, this one gains two bushels, and this one gains two bushels. So if I put all three together, shouldn't I gain six? And sometimes you gain six. Sometimes you gain four. Sometimes you gain 20. You just don't know how it's going to play out. Putting a, put an inoculant on soybeans is not taking away from anything. It doesn't hurt anything else. Uh, it, it's one of those things you can add and count on. This is going to help me. Talking soybean inoculants on today's program. Stay tuned. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get rewarded with Roundup Ready Plus when you choose the proven power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Think about a quarter inch of rain. 
That's all it takes to activate Armazon Pro Herbicide in your corn and protect against weeds. Now think about a full inch of rain, the amount most other herbicides require for activation. How long will you have to wait to get that? The weeds hope you'll choose another herbicide. Your corn hopes you choose Armazon Pro Herbicide. Pick a winner. Talk to your BASF rep about Armazon Pro Herbicide today. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2Save3 is a service mark and Impact Z is a trademark owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid is the perfect fit for your planter fertilizer program. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today and talking about a really exciting topic, soybean inoculants. Now, hold on, hold on. If you're saying, wait a minute, wait, he's being sarcastic there. I'm only gaining a bushel or two in a lot of cases from inoculant. I'm talking about return on investment. If you're only spending a dollar or two and you're gaining a bushel or two, that's awesome. That's a great return on your investment. And I wish we could do that with every dollar we invested on the farm. Uh, if we could, we'd be in good shape really quick on the farm financially. I've got Chuck Knight with us right now with Bear And Chuck, you know, when you talk soybean inoculant, uh, there's just so many more choices these days than just straight up rhizobia bacteria. There are a lot of products that are on the market and uh, it can really depend on what is in there with the rhizobia, if it's something to do with nodulation or if it's something else. And, you know, when I think about inoculants, it really all comes back to helping to support nodulation on the soybean. And having more components in there that are directly tied to the nodulation process, I think, is, is definitely a benefit. You know, you talk about uh, promoters and and uh, uh, other types of technology that are out there now. It has really changed uh, since really not that many years ago when all we had was, well, there's some rhizobia in the jug. We don't even know what the species or strains are, and uh, we don't even know how the survivability is going to be. Man, we've got great products we're working with today. Well, absolutely, and uh, and you're right. The uh, the technology when it comes to the, the packaging and the survivability and uh, even the rhizobia themselves have changed quite a bit over the last several years. So the products that we're seeing today, like you might see with Optimize XC or, or Tag Team LCO XC, both of those products have a highly infective and effective when it comes to fixing nitrogen rhizobial strain, as well as they also contain LCO, which is critical to the nodulation process and helps nodulation take place more effectively than it may without the LCO molecule present. Yeah, that is something really different, and I know we're starting to see that pop up in a variety of different ways for farmers to uh, to get out in their soils. Can you talk about that LCO component just a little bit more? And I think it really is a differentiator. Well, I, I believe that it is as well. 
And LCO is a molecule that uh, is a signal that causes soybean root hairs to curl. And when those, those root hairs curl, it forms a place for rhizobia to go in and infect. And depending on whatever soil conditions that you might have or, you know, what the stresses may be for a particular year, some of those signals may just be a little bit deficient or they may be a little slow to present themselves. So by having the LCO on seed along with the rhizobia, you've got two of the raw materials already present there to help ensure successful nodulation. You know, as we're talking about this, Brian brought up a, a pretty tough situation that so many farmers are facing this year, flooding. And if you've got flooding on your ground, our contention is you may not have lost all your microbial populations, but you've certainly done some damage to them out there. It seems to make sense that we would want to uh, put those beneficial microbes out in close proximity to our new soybean plants. Oh, without a doubt. And yeah, there's been a lot of water across the upper Midwest this year, a lot of saturated soil conditions. And when you have those saturated conditions, you're introducing an anaerobic environment. And rhizobia being an aerobic bacteria needs oxygen to survive. So when you look at saturated conditions that are lasting for seven days or longer, you're right, that uh, soil rhizobia population is going to take a hit. So by inoculating with a good quality inoculant, uh, that's one of the best ways to help ensure successful nodulation when you've got some of the conditions that we're seeing across a lot of the country this year. You know, with wet fields at harvest time, too, there are a lot of farmers that I've talked to over the winter that have said, man, I have a high pH situation that I couldn't address because it was too wet to get out in the field. I've had a low pH situation. I couldn't get the lime out there because it was too wet. Uh, in those situations, is that just as bad as flooding when you get things uh, way out of balance in your soil? Well, so there are a number of things that can get in the way of successful nodulation on a soybean plant. You know, anything that's going to slow down the growth and the metabolism of the soybean plant, whether it be uh, the pH situations that you're talking about, or it could be anything like herbicide carryover, anything that's going to slow that plant down is going to slow down uh, successful nodulation, or if the uh, stress is extreme enough, it may stop it altogether for a while. So by having a good quality rhizobia inoculant on seed, along with that LCO molecule, which helps to aid in the nodulation process. Some of those stresses um, can be helped to be overcome a little bit uh, and to ensure successful nodulation by having those present when some of these other conditions may be slowing down the natural process. Yeah, there's a lot going on out in our fields, no doubt about that. We're talking with Chuck Knight with Bear. Uh, Chuck, any thoughts you want to leave us with uh, about soybean inoculants going into the spring? Well, I think that uh, one of the primary concerns this year is the flooded conditions, the saturated conditions that may re reduce uh, rhizobia populations out there, but also uh, whether it be pH or any of these other issues that may be an issue in any given year, uh, soybean inoculants like Optimize XC and Tag Team LCO XC are some of the, the best ways and some of the easiest ways to help ensure successful nodulation and a successful soybean crop. That's what we're all going for. We need the yields this year to, to make some money on the farm. Thanks so much, Chuck. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks, guys. Got Horst Bonner with us right now as uh, a soybean specialist with the Ontario Ministry of Ag. Uh, Horst, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be on. 
Okay, uh, we're talking about soybean inoculant, and there are just so many products out there that farmers have to choose from anymore in, in just about every part of ag, and certainly uh, this one is is no different. Uh, what are some things that, that growers should be looking for going into this season with soybean inoculants? Well, I think the key with all these products is the number of live bacteria that, that you get on the seed. So certainly a good quality product is essentially uh, essentially what really matters right because uh the truth is a lot of these products actually use the same strain they use different carriers and uh different formulations but the actual bacteria is uh often the exact same strain anyway yeah very true very true and and uh, as you mentioned there's so many different formulations and use rates and there's a little bit to sort out to figure out okay where am i getting uh, a desirable number here. What is the number that we should be shooting for with rhizobia bacteria? Is it 2 million per seed? Is it is it more? Is it less? Yeah, I mean, the, the old conversation, which I think is still true that we used 10 years ago uh, or, or longer, would be about 900,000 to a million per seed is an adequate number, right? And so if you have more than that, that's even better. Uh, it really is a numbers game when it comes to these these uh, inoculants because they die off so quickly on the seed and in the soil. So the more you can get established in the soil, the more likely you are to have a positive yield response from them. You know, you mentioned that. Uh, so we have some growers that talk about putting inoculant in furrow versus on seed. I mean, I certainly like the on seed way the best if we can do it just because you can't get any closer to the plant than being right on the seed and as those roots start to emerge uh, you're in a good spot there do you, do you see anything different with the inferro am i missing anything there no i think they they both are quite valid uh, strategies and work the one issue that you can get into sometimes in very cool springs or in our climate um, is that if it's only on the seed and it's a, let's say it's a first time field or it's a field that has low pH or there's some other reason why they've died out in the soil. If it's only on the seed and it's a cool spring, the roots can actually grow past where the inoculant is sitting. And since it's only possible to uh, get the invasion into the plant on new root growth, you can actually have an, a, an issue where you put live rhizobia in the soil, but the root has actually grown past the place where it's sitting before those signals are sent out. Very interesting. So in, in, in one sense, you know, uh, for if you think about that, the granulars can have a place, and it's more regional and what growers are used to as well. Um, we're actually going to do some experimentation this year, I think, with granules because there is some indication that, uh, that they have a place, too. Outstanding. Great information. We've been talking with Horst Bonner with the Ministry of Ag up in Ontario. Horst, thank you so much. You gave us uh, some food to, to chew on here just a little bit as we talk a little more about soybean inoculants on our show. Uh, thanks again, and we'd love to have you back soon. Yeah, great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Tired of that old warped poly boom ruining your spray applications? Express Boom from Hypro is a fully assembled stainless steel boom that ensures an even application of chemicals every time. Don't wait another season. Upgrade today. Hypro, helping you spray better. 
Interested in strip tillage? You should know about the Soil Warrior from ETS. With one pass efficiency, optimized nutrient placement, and reduced production costs for higher profitability, the Soil Warrior brings the future to your farm. Visit SoilWarrior.com to learn more. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. In order to be the best farmer you can be, you've got to have a grain marketing plan. But what do you do when you're too busy out in the fields trying to maximize yield? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are always busy learning more about how to make our farm more successful. That's why we use Grain PhD to learn more about grain marketing and to work with our Grain PhD risk expert to create a complete grain marketing strategy. Visit grainphd.com to learn more about a free consultation for your operation. High-yield corn growers know that feeding the crop and soil are keys to maximizing yield potential. Nutex EDA and Reverb are specifically formulated to help manage limiting factors associated with today's farming conditions. Nutex EDA works within the plant to support nutrient mobility and utilization. Reverb focuses on the soil, providing beneficial trace elements which help condition the root zone for optimal microbial activity. Low use rates and superb tank mix compatibility make Nutex EDA and Reverb no-brainers in the high-yield grower toolbox. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better. Built stronger. Lasts longer. Learn more at mortonbuildings.com. Imagine the perfect flow of grain from the field to the bin. Imagine a single rotor that ensures both quality and productivity. An advanced system that optimizes harvest settings on the go. You don't have to imagine. With features like AFS Harvest Command, an axial flow combine from Case IH always delivers the perfect flow for your operation. Find out how. Talk to your Case IH dealer today. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're talking about soybean inoculants. And you know what? There's no silver bullet out there. And inoculant isn't that silver bullet either. There's a lot of things you've got to do right in order to get high yields and to take yourself to another yield level and profitability level on your farm. Uh, I've got our friend Matt Miles with us. He farms down in the state of Arkansas. Matt, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're welcome. Glad to be here. You know, I, I think some farmers see, oh, man, there's these guys down in Arkansas. They're getting 100 bushel yields, and they think, well, it must be that they're planting group four beans. It must be that their climate's just so much better. I don't think Arkansas is really the Garden of Eden, is it? you got a lot of challenges. Oh, yeah, we've got extreme heat, extreme nighttime heat. Then we'll have extreme cold. It, I wouldn't think it, it, it's a good place to be, but, but it's, a, it's a challenge. It's always a challenge. 
Okay, so you're doing a lot of things to, to get your yield levels up, you know, just way over what the average yields are in your area. Uh, we talk about soybean inoculants as just one small little piece. Uh, does that go right together with your seed treatment options? Do you generally do in-furrow inoculants? How, how do you like to use them? We, we really like to try to use them on the seed. Uh, you know, we, I, I, a little small story, when I first started farming, you know, we, we started putting some of our better land in soybeans, you know, when prices got up over 10 bucks. And, and I didn't know anything about, you know, soybeans as far as putting them on sand that they've never been on. And I found out the hard way that you want an inoculant on your soybean pretty much all the time. Uh, it's just another uh, a way with all the flooding we have. We got six, six inches of rain this week, this weekend. Oh, so. boy. With all that going on, and and you know our soil's been wet since October. Uh, anything you can do to relieve stress, and and I feel like the inoculus one thing that you know it, it, it's helping. You know, like like you said earlier, it may may be a bushel increase, but that's nine dollars versus a two dollar input. I'll I'll do that all day long. Absolutely, yeah. I wish we had more of those kind of things we could choose from. Hey, so the the whole purpose here is we want to have the soybean plant produce more nitrogen for itself, but can you do that with 100 bushel beans? Can you still keep up, or do you have to put on some more in? You know, we've been working with that. Uh, we we don't really see that we're having a problem with, with in. But now we also put a ton and a half of litter out in the fall, so we've got that. Between that and the residual nitrogen from the corn and the cotton with our rotation, you know, it, it hasn't really paid off for us to add. But in a, in a situation where you weren't, putting that litter out so you wouldn't get in that extra nitrogen. We don't even count that nitrogen in our soil profile. Uh, you know, we get by pretty much without it. I've done a lot of tests, pick up yields sometimes. Sometimes I don't, but I think it's a little bit skewed because of the fact that we've got probably 70 units of in out there in the fall, you know, fall applied for, you know, with our litter. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that that is always a tough thing to know what to really count out of uh, manure or litter or compost because, you know, some of it will be available likely, but not all. And uh, I, I like how you look at it kind of as uh, as we hear so many growers talk about anymore, luxury feeding that, hey, I've got some extra out there, but it's more of a let's get this out because it's good for the soil. It's good for the long term rather than just for this year's crop. Yeah. Yeah, and with the long-term use of it, you know, we've been using it for eight to ten years. You know, now I've got to take a little bit different approach and say, okay, I'm actually getting a little nitrogen out of this. I better, like on my cotton, for instance, you know, when we started back growing cotton again, uh, you know, it seems like I'm using a little bit too much nitrogen, putting too much nitrogen to the plant, and I think it's because we are getting some residual from the years and years of the litter. But we've never counted it in our, you know, in our, in our recipe because like you said there's no way really to know exactly how much of it you're getting or when because we really want that nitrogen yeah. late in the season and can you count on it then that's right and you know the more nitrogen you put early on a soybean the more lazy you make that plant so that's even more of a, a reason why you need to inoculate because if he gets lazy and don't want to produce his own nitrogen because he's got it there you know it, it, it's kind of a catch-22 now, we talked to, to other growers, and most notably Kip Culler's talking about soybeans getting too tall and he wants them shorter. Is that a problem on your side of the state? Yeah, yeah. You have to really be careful and watch what varieties you plant on some of this battered land, you know, just because of lodging. 
Uh, so we, we look for a variety that's not, you know, extremely too tall because if it goes down, you know, it, you're just not going to cut what, what you would normally cut if it was standing. So that's a big, uh, one of our big things that we look at in varieties is, you know, how tall is it going to be? What kind of, you know, lodging problems does, does it have? You know, um, you mentioned the six inches of rain over the weekend, and that is uh, no fun at all. We're we're getting uh, snowmageddon number twenty five, I think, coming through here uh, shortly. I think tonight and in, or next couple of nights here. Uh, wh- what's the season shaping up like for you? What have you got in the ground, and and how does stuff look? We've got all of our corn in the ground, uh, and I mean it's just starting to come up good. Uh, we'll probably start stand counts on it as soon as it's dry enough. We can get in the field and. You know, we do, we do stand counts on every field to make sure the population's there. It's been tough, I, I'll be honest with you. Since October, we didn't put a, a tractor in the field till three weeks ago. We got about six days to plant our corn, and it rained again. We got another four days. It's, it's, we're going to be behind, I can tell you that, extremely behind. Normally, I have, I don't know, somewhere between 1,000 1,500 acres of soybeans planted, and I planted 100 acres. And then got got three nights of 34 degrees on them, and then six inches of rain. So I'm kind of looking to the fact that I'll probably end up having to replant those. You know, the and that's another thing with the inoculate. You know, this year the germ on the seed is not. You know, seed quality this year in our area, especially the seeds we're getting are, you know, are, are not that great. I mean, 80, you know, 80 germ is probably some of the best we're going to get. So anything you can de- do to help that seed you know, not have the stress on it, I think this year is going to be very important, especially with the ground being so wet. What are you doing with that poor seed? Are you just upping your planting populations then to adjust for your desired final stand? Yeah, that's what I did on, you know, on the on the 100 acres that I planted. But I'll be honest with you, it didn't, it didn't I don't think it helped. Of course, it was a combination of a perfect storm between the cold nights, six inches of rain. Uh, it's just been a We've had a kind of little light nightmare here, but, you know, it'll get better. I mean, it always does. Yeah, it's well, there's a lot of conditions there stacked against. And, you know, I've been talking about soybean inoculants here, something really simple that's been out for a long time, uh, proven good products now, and it can help a little, but you're right. You get uh, some pretty nasty weather. Uh, you're going to need a lot of a lot of things right to to try to overcome some of this stress. Uh, anything you know as as you're going forward here, when you get back out in the field, uh, anything that you're going to change now, seeing how this year has played out, or or you kind of have a pretty defensive strategy anyway going into an early season. Well, we're you know we know we're behind the eight ball you know right off because we're. We feel like we're later, you know, later in the season planting. Uh, probably will change a little bit of maturities up. Try to get some that will mature a little bit earlier than than what I would normally. Normally, my my best soybean would be a you know a late four. We may look at changing some of that to a mid mid group four. Uh, our corn was so late, you know, planted for us that beans and corn are going to run together as far as harvest. So I don't want to take the approach. Well, I'm going to wait till. My corn's all, I know I'm going to be able to harvest it before I plant the beans because we've seen in our research, you know, 8 to 15 bushel increase in just a two-week earlier planting period than what we used to think. 
Wow. Yeah, that's big. That's big. That that pays to try and get stuff done the best you can. Well, you're certainly going to have some trials this year with uh, with that 100 acres of beans that got in at a decent time and then a pretty good gap before more got in. And, and I'm sure, you know, with that corn going in the way it did, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how planting dates turned out this year. But uh, I, I think the fun thing talking with you, Matt, and, and talking with Rob and, and the other guys down there is just that you're paying attention to these details, trying to do the best job you can with what you got, and uh, certainly have a lot of respect for what you're doing. Been talking with Matt Miles down in Arkansas. Matt, good luck to you. Hopefully you catch some sunshine here and, and things start going even better. Thank you very much, and I appreciate it. You bet. Talking about soybean inoculant on today's show and and really a whole soybean strategy. This is just one piece of it, definitely not a silver bullet. We're also taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid is the perfect fit for your planter fertilizer program. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. One year it could be moisture stress, another pythium or nematodes. So you need your soybeans to rise ready for whatever the season holds. Now one simple decision provides coverage on four fronts. The Acceleron portfolio, fungicides, insecticides, bioenhancers, and an industry-leading nematicide that strikes where nematodes attack. This season, rise stronger with Acceleron seed treatment products. Learn more at accelerontsas.com slash rise ready. Performance may vary. It's important to use proper PPE when handling treated seed. If you're a rancher who's obsessed with keeping your pastures clear, turn to Grayson Next Herbicide. It offers superior broadleaf weed control, so instead of thinking about weeds, you can think about the money you'll save growing more grass and buying less feed. Used early in the season, Grayson Next also provides residual activity that controls newly emerged weed seedlings, giving you season-long control. Start enhancing your land while you protect it. Visit leavetheweedstoss.com to learn more about Grayson Next. Always read and follow label directions. White mold, sudden death syndrome, root rot. If you raise soybeans, it may seem like you have all the cards stacked against you when it comes to disease. But did you know there is a new cost-effective seed treatment which can help prevent all three? Heads Up Seed Treatment offers a new proactive approach for dealing with fungal and bacterial diseases. Compatible with other seed treatments, hedge your bet against disease this spring. 
Ask your dealer for Heads Up today. To locate a dealer, visit HeadsUpST.com. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking about soybean inoculants. We're also taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, AgPhD Media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. With soybean inoculant, Brian, uh, anything else you want to add to that discussion? Well, I would just say that the trouble with soybean inoculant or any of these things that cost a dollar or two is you have to look really close to figure out whether or not that paid. I mean, literally, you could quadruple your money or even eight times your money if your cost is $1 and you get $8 back. Eight times your money, and you're never going to notice that on the yield monitor. You're never going to notice that in the grain tank. You're never going to notice that visually in the field. One bushel. Yet, it made you $7 $7 an acre or eight times what you invested. So <laughs> my, my, my problem with it is that it's just a challenge to get that figured out. So all I'm trying to say here is I, I do encourage you to run trials on things like inoculant, but when you do, you've got to be really fussy for how you're going to get those details. Otherwise, you're just going to have to say, you know what? It's a dollar or maybe $2 at the most. Okay. Surely that's going to pay. We know that these newer inoculants are way better than what we used to have. It's night and day difference. So I'm excited about it. We're using it on every acre of every soybean field we plant, and I would advise you to do the same. And it's very rare when I'm going to tell you something here on Ag PhD is like an absolute no-brainer, and you should do it every time. But that's the way I feel about soybean inoculant. It is going to pay, on average, across the board, anywhere you are, and I don't care if you raise even continuous soybeans. you got to look at, hey, if I have more of the best strain of rhizobia bacteria out there to help produce nitrogen for my crop, that is a win. And even if, worst case scenario, I don't gain yield in a year, if I created more nitrogen in that soil, in my soybean crop, then as long as it doesn't leach away because I had, you know, ridiculous amounts of rain, I probably left a few extra pounds of nitrogen for the next crop. It was interesting when we were down in South America quite a few years ago, we were talking to guys about soybean inoculant and some guys had, now they weren't at the time, but um, they had been raising beans twice per year. And even then they were using soybean inoculant. And I go, well, why would you do that? You're raising nothing but soybeans. And they said, well, because what we found is we have more nitrogen left in the soil. And that's a good thing. So anyway, I I would just say at at least be trying soybean inoculant. But yes, I, I would recommend that you use soybean inoculant. We certainly do. We're big believers in it. All right, Brian. Uh, it was a fun discussion on soybean inoculant, but we're getting a number of other questions in here for the Ag PhD mailbag. Let's get to uh, some mailbag questions. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. Got a question from Matt, and he doesn't say where he's from, but he does say his cr- his crop mix is cotton, corn, and soybeans. So, oh, I'm sorry, West Tennessee. It does say here. Okay, Matt in West Tennessee said, I'm curious about Avail and uh, what you've seen with that. I'm debating leaving it off this year just to cut my costs, but I've got a couple of extenuating circumstances. I couldn't get my lime applied in the fall, 
So we just applied it here in the last few weeks, and I'm concerned that I may see some phosphate tie up, but just wondering what your thought is and if it, if you think it would be smart for me to still keep using it. I've got a pH in the 6.2 to 6.8 range oh. on most of the ground. Oh, okay. My CECs are 8 to 15, and I'm still working on getting my base saturation Ks up. My level I'm shooting for now is 6%. Awesome. Way to go, Matt. Uh, so just, just wondering what you think on the avail. How many dollars, though? That's the one thing he left off. I, I would like to know how many dollars it is. Okay, so let's put it this way. If I was going to spend $3 an acre, well, do I think it'd be worth it? Yeah, I absolutely do. But let, looking at his factors, his soil isn't crazy heavy. It's also not crazy light. It is just about perfect for pH, so I'm not that worried about phosphate tie-up at that point. So really, for me, if it was $3, I'd spend the money. If it's 10 to $15, I would not spend the money. What do you think? Well, the lime just got put on, and I'm curious, did it get tilled in, or is it left no-till and on top of the surface yep, of the soil? That's and if the phosphorus is going to be spread good on point. top and the lime's on top, then I'm really concerned. Yeah, If that's a the point. lime has been tilled in and the phosphorus is going to be deep-banded, for example— I'm much less concerned about that. Right. No, I'd give you that. So, the, and the other thing that you could do, uh, Matt, is is let's just say that you said, okay, I, I just don't think I can afford the avail this year. I don't think it will give me a return on my investment. All right, I, I can go with that, but how are you going to get phosphorus into your plant for sure? Maybe you want to use something right in furrow. I really like Pro Germinator. I found availability has been really good with that product, and it's a real low salt, so that's why I've been using it on my corn and a little bit on my soybeans too. Maybe you start using a little bit of that in the furrow and, and make sure that you have some phosphorus available early on. It's up to you. I Personally, I think with the lime, I think I'd still protect my phosphorus. That If it was me, I think I'd do that, and I'd look to cut costs somewhere else. The other concern that I'd have, too, is with micros being tied up, uh, and I think I would definitely be putting some micros either in the furrow or in a 2 by 2 whatever you can do safely just to uh, to deal with it because you note that you're you're wanting to focus on some copper issues that you've got out there and putting lime out isn't going to help you at all I mean it's gonna help your pH and everything but uh, you still still need to focus on on that now the other thing is you mentioned your pH is in the six two to six eight range I'm wondering why you put lime on that sounds just ideal to right. me. So well, maybe, maybe maybe you've got some spots out yeah, there but, or something. Right, like that. Yeah, he said on most of my ground it's six two to six eight. So that's what we have to assume is he was just applying certain fields or certain spots. Yeah, or or maybe in your area pH falls off every year, so you got to add a little bit on. I, I'm not sure what your rates were or so forth, but I, I think if you just put lime on, I'm concerned about phosphorus, so I, I would not take a chance. Thanks for the question, Matt. If you got any follow-ups, uh, and like Brian said too, if, if you had cost information, something that may influence us. If it costs fifty bucks an acre, well, no way. I'm definitely not doing that. But if it was if it was cheap, then then what the heck? All right, got a question from Steve, and he said, "I'm thinking about mounting a gandy box on my corn cultivator slash diker, and spread a cover to try to suppress Palmer pigweed." What would be a good cover to plant that will provide good suppression and use the least amount of nutrients out there so it doesn't hurt my corn? That's a, that's a good question, Steve, because we don't have any firsthand experience with that. We've done a little bit of trial work with interseeding some covers in between, and we just didn't get enough rain to get that to work. Uh, so it, provided you have enough rain to get that crop established, I know we definitely don't want to do that before that corn is probably a foot tall when you get 
past least that a foot tall. weed-free uh, time where, where it can really impact yield. But yep, uh, this guess, is something I would not do. There's no way that I would do this. I, I mean, if you want cover to suppress Palmer, that cover to me is go to 20-inch row corn and plant it thick. So that's going to be your cover. You're going to end up with more yield that way, and you're going to end up with fewer weeds because you have tightened your rows and you have, and actually you could also pick taller hybrids too, if you wanted to. Oh, one other thing along those lines, you could throw some gibberellic acid on, you know, when that, that corn is really small, maybe V5 or something, V3, throw some gibberellic acid on that will elongate the stems. So you get taller plants quicker Go to narrower row spacing. That, I, there's no way I would put a weed and, in effect, seed a weed, which is what any cover is going to be. That is a weed to your corn. You're, you're that's right. going to rob had, nutrients and moisture. So I I just would he not He identifies do that. that too, Brian, and says, you know, I want something that's going to remove the least amount of nutrients. And, uh, you know, if you find something with a relatively shallow root system, that might be uh be a good yeah, I just I, I I just wouldn't do that. I I mean I I would just go to narrow row corn if it if you're that worried about it. Go to narrow row corn. But we yeah. also have great herbicides. I mean phenomenal herbicides in corn. So Palmer should not be an issue for you in corn. Switch herbicide programs if you're that worried about it. Go to something great and then follow with something great. So if it was me, I'd start with like let's just, uh, there are many choices. Okay, I'll just throw out let's say verdict followed by status atrazine. There's no Palmer that's getting past that if you do a good job spraying. Hey, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. I got a comment from Kirk here. He said, I just finished reading Brian's book, $100 an hour jobs and ordered three more copies to give to other people in my life. Thanks for your easy to read lessons. Hey, thanks, Kirk. Really appreciate you reading the book. Well, thanks for listening to today's program. We'll be right <laughs> back after this. A pasture should have two things, grass and cattle. No weeds, no brush. That's why Chaparral Herbicide offers the broadest spectrum weed control available. It controls weeds other products can miss, like buckbrush and Canada thistle. And less weeds and brush in your pastures means more forage, so you spend less on feed. Chaparral also suppresses seed heads, lessening the effects of fescue toxicosis, all while providing season-long residual control. Visit NoWeedsNoBrush.com today and learn more about Chaparral. Your grain bin fans can cost you a lot. High electric bills from running when conditions are not ideal, shrinkage from overdried grain, and spoiled grain all take money out of your pocket. With the STEPS GMS app temperature humidity switch, get your bin fans to start making you money. Only run vans when the conditions are right. Eliminate shrink and spoilage in your bins. Deliver grain in top condition at market moisture. When every dollar counts, you need STEPS GMS. Contact us today at stepsgms.com. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. In farming, getting things done early has a way of setting you up for success. Like using Corvus for an early season win over weeds. Corvus keeps even the toughest weeds from gaining a foothold. Multiple sites of action deliver superior control of emerged weeds. And later, Corvus reactivates with just a half inch of rain to take out any new weeds that may have sprouted. 
So get an early season win against weeds with Corvus for end of season rewards. Always read and follow label instructions. Corvus is a restricted use pesticide. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's Mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Farmers, you put a lot of money into growing the best crops possible every year, so it only makes sense to make sure every bit of that ends up in your tank. Estes Patent and Concave stop rotor loss with less green damage. Best of all, they work on all crops. No more changing concaves. Call 765-650-4131 or visit EstesPerformanceConcaves.com and get what you harvest. That's 765-650-4131. Listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time and uh, get a couple of questions here via email from Chad. He sent them in to radio at agphd.com. Chad said, uh, in some of our saline type soil areas, we've we've got a soils lab telling us we've got a high level of gypsum. How do you test for that? Do you test just straight up for gypsum? Do you request tests for calcium and sulfur? Uh, or Or how do you know that you're in those situations? Uh, well, first of all, I don't know exactly how you test for gypsum. That, that's what the labs do. But I would say this. There there was a comment. So I read more of their stuff that they sent, Darren. I know you just gave the highlights there. But the, the thing was basically saying, well, if there's a lot of sulfur and a lot of calcium already in your soil, it doesn't do any good to add gypsum. I agree with that 100%. That We talk about that all the time. So before you're going to say, oh, gypsum can help me, because there are a lot of people out there that think gypsum's some miracle product. It's a great tool. When it's used in the right place, it's phenomenal. But if you're not using it in the right place, when you're already loaded up with calcium and loaded up with, with sulfur, generally that tells me we have a drainage issue. So, I, I mean, almost all the time, drainage is the problem. You fix the drainage and your sulfur level is going to go down. You're going to start to flush out any of these salts that are the, the problem and part of the reason why people start talking about gypsum in the first place. Or sodic soils, they'll talk about gypsum. I, I, I get all that. And yes, gypsum can help in some cases, but not if you're already way loaded up on calcium and sulfur. Okay, Chad had a couple other questions, too, and mainly it's around water quality. He sent a couple of water quality samples, and kudos to Chad. Uh, and this is something I think uh, if you're, you're looking at different things going on in your farm, anything that's going out like uh, fertilizer, manure, um, irrigation water, anything you're putting on your field, take a look at that. Do a little analysis on it and see what kind of difference you're making. Uh, Chad said, I've got two samples here from different well water sources on our farm. Well number two, when we pull out of that, we seem to get better weed kill than we do when we pull out of well number one. Now, I noticed the pH of well water two is a little bit higher, and it also has more metals and more sulfur. However, the water from well number one is harder water. So I'm wondering what you think my issue is. I've been adding 300 pounds of, let's see, 300 gallons of AMS. Oh, I see. 
Oh, oh I, I get it. Adding one bag of AMS, so 17 pounds of AMS per 100 gallons of water when I'm pulling from well one to try to compensate for the hard water. Would well one be better if I did more since it doesn't have all the metals? Should I be filtering well number two to remove metals before spraying? A lot of questions there, Chad, and and you know this is one thing that doesn't get enough talk in our right. industry is just the quality of the water that we're using to spray different products. Okay, so he's saying he has better results with number two. Yep. Okay. Now, let me. I'll I'll tell you what I think it is. Okay, so with number two, there is less calcium and less magnesium. Okay, so those are the hard water ions that typically can that we talk about often that can tie up nutrients like let's say round or sorry herbicides like let's say roundup okay so i would totally get that that in number one there is double the calcium and there is a little bit more magnesium so i think that's part of the problem with number one is it has more calcium and magnesium now i think the advantage to number two is it has some other nutrients that many plants are short on in chad's area up in north dakota there's a lot of high ph soil Okay. And the problem with high pH soil is we get a lot of iron tie-up. Iron basically turns to a different form. It turns to the ferric form. It's not available instead of the ferrous form that is available. This water in number two, where he's getting better results, has a lot more iron, and it also has a lot more manganese, Okay, a lot more manganese and a lot more iron. So what I'm saying is, oh, and also has a lot more sulfate. Those nutrients are essential for plants, including weeds. Now, we talk often about fertilizing crops, right? But I want you to think about this. If we fertilize the weed, then that weed moves herbicide more quickly to the growing point. It becomes almost instantly more actively growing, basically. And we know that more actively growing weeds will die faster with systemic herbicides. So I believe that is the other part of it. So number two is better because it has less calcium and magnesium that can tie up herbicides. And it has more, I'm going to call it foliar fertilizer, sulfate, iron, manganese. All right. Uh, there you go, Chad. And yeah, there's certainly a lot of different solutions out there for treating water. That's uh, that's going to be something to take a look at, too. What's available in your area and what uh, what dealers have got, what experience they've had with with uh, water similar to yours as well. I uh, get Joe on with us right now from New Jersey. Joe, how are you doing today? Uh, doing pretty good. Nice weather here so far. Awesome. Well, we can send you some snow and that kind of stuff here in a little bit if you can just wait a few days for it. Well, in that case, uh, <laughs> I'll have to give you a false address. <laughs> yeah, you might pass on that one for like another eight months. But uh, anyway, what can we help you with, Joe? Well, I'm, I'm planting sweet corn in 50-acre plots. And for some reason, from year to year, sometimes I get spotty pollination and I tried different things and some years it's good and some it's not and I just can't figure out what's going on or what I can do to stop it. Interesting. So it's in spots out in your fields? Uh, yeah, out of the 50 acres you might come across a spot maybe like uh, 50 feet in diameter that looks like hardly pollinated at all for some reason. A lot of times when you have poor pollination, especially in spots, those spots are 
there's some type of stress there. So the silk might not be coming out fully, and this could be caused by a number of different things. Whether we're talking it's too hot and dry, maybe there's too much moisture and not enough, not good enough drainage, maybe we're short on certain nutrients. There's most likely, if it's, if it's areas in a 50-acre block, it's something to do, I'm going to guess, with that soil. And so what I would be doing in any of those spots, if that happens again, I'd be running soil tests there and I'd be running plant tissue analysis to try to figure out, okay, what's really going on here? Now, one thing that a lot of uh, uh, hybrid corn farmers will do is they will plant different varieties in the same field so they get cross-pollination. And so they have basically a longer window where where pollen is flying through the air. So many people will plant two or three different varieties in the same field so they have that happen for them. And also for a lot of us in the Midwest, there's corn in the in a lot of neighboring fields. So there is a tremendous amount of pollen blowing around. So that can be one of the other things that happens is if you had a very narrow pollen shed, let's say you had a, a whole bunch of rain at that point, all the pollen's gone and there were some late emergers or something like that. Or let's say that spot in the field was just slow because it was colder in that area or wetter or there was more compaction, something like that. So delayed the, the, the time that it reached pollination. So, I mean, there are a number of things that, that could cause that. We're just, I'm throwing out a whole bunch of stuff at you. So I, 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 I guess, again, for me, I'm going to do soil tests and tissue tests there and try to figure out what's going on in those spots. Yeah. Now, my question is, is it sometimes the same spots or is it different spots? Well, now that you mentioned the soil being a culprit, I had never considered that. I thought there was something going on with the, the corn itself. But now you see where we farm up here, we take a lot of mulch and stuff from these guys that do landscaping. You know, they, they yep. mulch it up and we dump yep. a truckload here and a truckload there. Yep. Do you think that's maybe Absolutely. responsible for that spottiness? What happens is, and so we've done some of that, even at our Ag PhD field day site, where we put too many wood chips and spread them out. And if you get too many wood chips, well, wood chips tie up nitrogen like crazy. So to overcome that, I mean, for us, we would have needed a couple hundred extra pounds of nitrogen, at least, maybe even 500. There was so much tie-up. So yes, if you have a really high carbon level out there and don't have the nitrogen to offset that, then all of a sudden your plant becomes nitrogen deficient, delays the maturity, delays the pollination, hurts pollination. So yes, that absolutely could be part of what's causing the issue. Uh, we're going to have to stop that practice, or, or either that or get those uh, mulches spread out more evenly yes. instead yep. of just dumping them in one big pile. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, hey, Joe, hopefully that helps. If you got any more questions on that, just uh, just call us back this summer. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks you a lot. You guys do a great show. We love it. Oh, thanks, Joe. We really appreciate that. Yeah, we had a fun show today. We started off talking soybean inoculants, and we got into a lot of different topics, which is so often the case. We really appreciate all the calls and emails that you sent in, and hopefully we help uh, by answering everyone else's questions that you may be thinking about too. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.